Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the WCBC Podcast. My name is Hunter. My name is Alan. I'm Josh. And uh, here we are. This is like episode 52, 53. Uh, I would, first off, let me, let me like apologize. Um, last week's episode was so like three days late, but you know what? He's always on time. Isn't that what the song says? Yes. <laughs> so yeah, I was late on posting it and I do apologize. Uh, it, it's just been a busy time and I got mixed up, and next thing I knew, it was Thursday, and I was like, oh, no. So, I, I do apologize for that, but it's still, it's available now. Um, the challenge is still out there. Hopefully, by the time this releases Thursday, somebody would have emailed. The first person to email us the name of the guest from last episode, the number 50, will win a 50th episode customized t-shirt that no one else uh, will own. And so... One of a kind. One of a kind. And you know what? If nobody emails us, then that's fine. I'll just make four of them and we'll wear them uh but hopefully somebody will email us uh so we're looking forward to today um i think it's one of those things that we've talked about this before uh, we're all tired you know josh is back with us we mentioned josh did does construction and man he is what did robert say he's been working like a borrowed mule or something like that so Josh has been working his tail off, but uh, he's back with us this weekend, um, and he'll be with us, but, you know, busy times, busy times. Should we explain that analogy? For those young people who don't understand what a bar, there is to borrow to borrow someone's mule and work it a lot harder than you would your own mule. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's Josh. (laughs) So he's working like a borrowed mule. Yeah, Yeah. but But it's funny you bring that up. The the, like the analogy thing, because there's a lot of things that I say at my house that my kids look at me cross eyed. I'm like, come on, you've heard this before, and they're like, no, Dad. That's kind of my fear when we go through this uh, podcast and we're talking about scripture. I'm afraid that sometimes I use a lot of church lingo. Right. That maybe somebody who's unfamiliar with church or new to right doesn't new, know new to yeah. the Bible may not understand what I'm talking about. So Gen- I, I try to break it down in that Appalachian vernacular that you know anybody understands. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, th- that's kind of funny. Um, I didn't know this direction it would go, but. I heard a guy one time. He actually did a sermon, a short sermon series for his church called. Something like the church, breaking down church language. So he took like all the phrases you hear a lot in church and he actually like broke them down and preached on them. And then like the ones you hear like a lot that aren't even biblical. He kind of like broke that down and I thought that was cool because that's actually like, (laughs) I wouldn't say necessarily like a conviction, but that's something I'm challenged by that when I speak to a body of people or one person. I want to make sure that everything I'm saying is not generic because it's easy it to is. like it's, speak it's, generically. It's easy to yeah. just cliche ish, you know, just throw out figures of speech and expect people to. So, example, we, we've done an a, a in depth study on uh, not just being here, we're being a doer of the word, yeah. but just by holding your image and things that the church people, folks who've been in church their entire life, hear the scripture, they've already jumped ahead of you and they know where you're going with it. Yeah. Uh, pastor used me for an example today in the message and said that he can talk to me and, and tell me something and it won't have the same effect yeah. as if God had told me. Yeah. So he could, That's he could, true. He could make, a, make a statement and say, uh, you're a liar. Yeah. And I would say, well, I, I have told some lies and it wouldn't bother me. But when God speaks to me and says, hey, Alan, you have a problem. Total different. Relevance. It's a different. It's a different thing. So, and that's a, one thing that's really, really. I mean, I've been thinking about it all day. Hearing God, 
as opposed to listening to God. You can hear, I talk to my kids all the time, and they're sitting there with their mouth open, and just, and I'm talking, and they're hearing me, but are they listening? Right. And my wife talks to me a lot, and I can shake my head <laughs> and nod like I understand, and I hear her, Yeah. but am I listening to her? Right? Yeah. It's so important. Act- so important that when God speaks, yes. like E.F. Hutton, <laughs> he talks people listen. When God speaks to us, yeah. we should listen. Yeah. Active listening yes. is, is a sense. And, like, you know, I think it's one of those things, too, that, like, everybody has a knowledge of God. And we've talked about uh, If we've talked about it once, we've talked about it every episode. Everybody has a knowledge of God. But it's what you do with that knowledge that makes a difference in who you are. And I think when you look at the church lingo, um, and I mean, it's even like when you get a pastor up front, he's going to he's gonna quote verses, he's going to say specific Bible stories, and ultimately he's on a mission to reach one goal, and that's to proclaim what God has given him. But like, even when I talk to, like if I fill in places, there's sometimes I'd love to spend more time on something I just said because someone may not understand it. I mean, it's even like, you know, when I start talking about the rapture, I assumed everyone had a good grasp on what the rapture was till two weeks ago. And I think I talked about in the last episode that when I finally saw some people talking about it on Facebook and I was like, what, you know, what, what are they? And and it's one of those things that we just kind of assume, you know, that everybody's on the same level. Everybody understands. And that's, I'm guilty for that. And that's something that I guess I've been challenged to take time to be able to explain because it's just like our pastor told me a few weeks ago, um, you know, the least will be the greatest. So really, as church team and church ministry, how we treat the the least is the most important. And so, you know, when we have someone that may not understand something fully or comprehend even the phrase that's just said, I like to try to, like, break it down even more. Because if you make it generic, it's like this. People can learn in depth or people can learn generically. I'd rather see people learn in depth instead of just learning generically because, like, you could say, how do you know you're a Christian? And they're like, well, I put my faith in Christ and this and this and this. And if that's all they have to say, then they're speaking generically, which, amen, that's good enough. Mm-hmm. And that's all, it's all true. It is. All true. But what about the person that's like, no, I, I've been saved. They start breaking down biblical texts. They're talking about how God's delivered them from this, from this, from this, from this. Now they're learning in depth and paying attention in depth. And that's one of those things, like we talked about with the gift of knowledge, like when we have the gift of knowledge or we try to express knowledge to other people, if we don't do it service or spend time in it, then we can't expect their learning levels to increase. Right. They're just going to stay here. They might raise a little bit. They might, But we want, I mean, made a comment. We want to raise up and teach theologians, not like people who follow people, but people who can understand God's word for themselves. Exactly. And I think like when we talk about generic speaking, that's, I grew up under that. Like, I knew the old sayings, mm-hmm. you know, the generic oh, yeah. sayings. Yeah. Shotgun preaching, what they call it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, scattergun. And, yeah, you, somebody threw the skeet, bang, there yeah. it is. But, like, no one ever, like, broke that down. But now that I'm at a point, especially now in my faith, where I've been able to break down such phrases. Um, it, I mean, it's even like, you know, and I, I think our pastor talks about it, And there's nothing wrong with it. You know, spare the rod, spool the child. Everybody says that. But I think a few weeks ago, I actually went and looked up that text, and it doesn't actually say that specifically, but it does teach the lesson of how, you know, if you don't discipline your children, or if you don't correct them, or teach them, or teach them, or do this, then you're not really setting them up well. But I always thought the Bible verse itself said, spare the rods, pulled. I thought that was it. Mm-hmm. But when I finally looked up it myself, I was like, there's more depth to this. So that's an example of, like, generic or in-depth. And so I, I think we have a responsibility, kind of like you all just explaining a borrowed mule. That's a good example, a good analogy. And uh, 
you know, and, and I, sometimes go ahead. I think with witnessing that, that like w- with understanding that and having that understanding that, you know, sometimes it needs to be generic. Yeah. And sometimes it needs to be in depth because sometimes you start getting too in depth with person. They get starry eyed, they get gla- glazed over and you've lost them yeah. and you're not. Yeah. You know, and other times if you're too generic with somebody, they're like, yeah, but why? You know, the, those are the inquisitive minds that are like, well, why? So, How? How yeah. do you know? Where's good, this? Good stuff right there. So it, de- it depends yeah. on the person. Yes. It, but also kind of what Josh just said. There's a happy medium yeah. between too much and not enough yeah. because it's even like, you know, anybody, if you just start telling people they need to get saved, whether they're in-depth or generic, right. that's almost like you kind of need to go a little further than that instead of, so there's almost like you're saying there's a happy medium that we need to reach with all people <laughs> because it's either we're going to lose them or we're not going to cover it enough. So, I mean, that's a good and, point. And they also, as well, is with, 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 you know, evangelizing or, you know, witnessing, yeah. we also need to be mindful to you know, we're to show love and humility at all because we're representing Christ. Yeah. You know, so a lot of the times when we're in that witnessing thing, there's going to be people that are challenging us. Yeah. You know, and it's not necessarily us as a personal attack. It's just our thoughts, yeah. our, our belief. Yep. And if we attack it without love or without humility, with pride. Yeah. They're, you know, they're, 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 they're that right then we've lost our effectiveness yeah. because they're like, look, look, you know, why is he getting so angry? You know, all I did is ask him three questions. Why is he getting so angry? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and then, so it's, it's, it's mindful that when we do, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong. I mean, I used to, when I first started witnessing the people, I, uh, my mentality, and this is just me speaking about myself. My mentality was I have to have an answer, right? Wrong or yeah. different. I have to give them an answer. And I've grown a lot since then. If somebody comes to me with a question and they're like, well, what about this verse, this verse? I don't know. Yeah. I'll study it. Let me go read it. Let me get into the context of it. Let me find out. You know, give me a couple of days. I'll come back with you. Yeah. And, you know, and we can discuss it further. You know, but like I said, a lot of the times I felt the pressure that, like, I have to give an answer now. Yeah. And the ones that oppose us, he's, he's as great. You know, he has an action he knows the words to say he tempted christ himself yes you know so and he did it very cunningly yeah and there are those out there that are very well versed in the bible non-believers but they know the scripture yeah they can lure you and they can yes and they can say well what about here and before you know it they'll run you from rabbit hole to rabbit hole and then you pop up and you don't have an answer and it's nothing more than the same slide of hand like well if you connect this thought to this thought to this thought you can yeah. come up with this answer. And it's almost like what um, I, I got the opportunity to teach the college small group Monday this last week. And we talked, to, we were in John 4, but in the segment where Jesus says, you know, the fields are white, they're ready for harvest. But when you look at that and you get down to the end, he's like, I'm bringing in you into work that you're going to reap. Yep. You're reaping what another man sowed. And what he's saying is that other people had put in the work. And when Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 3, 4, 5, 8 comes, they're just leading people to Christ, but someone else has already came in and put that work in. And so then when you go over to like Corinthians, they're arguing over Paul or Apollos, and that doesn't have to do with church, it, nothing. It has to do with people were arguing who they wanted to follow, Paul or Apollos, and Paul's like, who's of Apollos? Who's of Paul? And then you get in that line, and it, and it basically the whole context of it is when he says one waters, one sows, one waters, but God gives the increase. increase. That's yep. the context, not yep. about what church yep. you're a part of, or this or this or this. Um, but when you look at that context, it's kind of like Josh is saying, like even sometimes when we leave, and maybe we have to say the phrase, "I don't know," 
it's not about the answer we gave or what we didn't give. God's going to be the one who gives that increase yeah. or that conviction or that salvation anyway. Yes. It's not about us. And I think that's a cool thing because, like, um, our youth group and, you know, me and Josh and Grant's going, we're going to World Changers. And it's a mission trip. It's a short-term mission trip. And we're going to Huntington, West Virginia. But this morning, like, we were talking about our lesson and we started, we kind of went off on a rabbit hole, but we were talking about, you know, if people aren't comfortable enough to share their testimony in front of believers, then how in the world are they going to share it to lost people? But it's even like what we're talking about right now, it's not about us. Nope. Even in that circumstance, when you witness or share testimony, it's not supposed to be about us. It's supposed to be about Christ. And so that kind of takes the pressure off because, I mean, anytime I've had to answer with, I don't know, or let me get back to you, do I feel, in a sense, convicted that I need to go study more? Absolutely. I'm challenged, right, to go back and study more. But I don't leave convicted like I did something wrong or like mm-hmm. I messed up because it wasn't about me. Mm-hmm. It was about Christ. And so I, I think when you look at kind of this whole scheme of what we're talking about and how we're going to talk about evangelism today, the analogies, the way we explain it, all of that, it's not about us. We shouldn't have to create a s- system on how to win people. Um and Josh, you're probably you're probably familiar with this. Haley and I have had conversations about a, a past church experience where a lot of people refer to it as soul winning, and they yeah. kind of give you a strategy on how you can go win a soul. Man was never purposed to create such a strategy that doesn't belong to us; that belongs to God. And it's even like uh, the other night, I randomly woke up and um, I was in Colossians, and I just kind of kept I was reading through it, and I got to like Colossians four. Um, and when you get into Colossians four, I've never, I never read this, but it was, it was really interesting. It says, Paul says in verse two, he says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in thanksgiving. But listen to what he says in verse three. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door for the word to be declared and declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I'm in prison. I kind of paraphrase that, but basically he's telling the believers, the Colossians, he's like, pray for us that a, a opportunity would open up for us to declare the mystery of Christ for which I'm in prison. So Paul's like, pray that God would open the door for me to witness to some people. Yep. And so that's where, whether it's a man's strategic plan or what this takes, just backs it up. Paul's saying we need to pray for God for such opportunities. Evangelism. Yes. And that's what we're talking about today line, is the gift. Evangelism. Yes. Yep. And when we look at this gift of evangelism, which... Uh, Man, I've got a I've got a definition, and you guys are probably familiar with this, our listeners, because if you remember when we brought in Brother Chad Udi, you want further information on maybe some other things we're going to talk about today, I'd encourage you, go give that a listen. Uh, we're thankful for Brother Chad that he came and joined us. Um, but when we look at a, a gift of evangelism, or the gift of evangelists, really, someone who is gifted to go out and declare the gospel. Now, before we even jump into this, because some people are gifted and called into the specific ministry, but Josh made a point before we even started. To an extent, we're all called to be an evangelist and spread the good news. And Josh, you were kind of, I mean, you were talking about like the daily life we live. Yeah, it was just, I was saying that, you know, in, in, in a roundabout way, we evangelize like uh, that in all of our actions that we do. Because as soon as we, stumble, as we profess Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we become under basically a scrutinal eye of somebody to watch us in our actions and they're yeah. looking for us to fail you know so the way that we respond to the way situations in our life 
um, there's going to be times and instances that things arise that, you know, does it does it anger the flesh or yeah. does it challenge it, you know, with us with fleshly things? Yes. You know, and is it easy? And can we all? Yes, we all can find ourselves responding in that way. But is that the norm? Yeah. Are we always responding fleshly yes. or, or are we always or, you know, always seeking him yeah. and setting ourselves apart? And that's the thing that we know. So when through our actions, through the way we handle ourselves, through the way we you know talk and speak to others, you know, that we all have our days. We all yeah. have our days where we're not we're not too you know people friendly, if you will. Yeah. You know, we just kind of woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Yeah. You know, so is everybody around us quickly to be able to point out like, hey, you know, don't cross his path today because, or you know, yeah, are we are we handling it? And placing it rightly, because like I said, we all have our temptations, we all have our struggles, and we all have our days. But is our focus truly on Him? You know, and are we setting ourselves apart? You know, to say, hey, you yeah. know, right now I'm having a rough day, but thank you, Lord, because yeah. you know it is another day that I get to live, and it's yeah. another day that I get to witness, and it's another day that you know I get to live in Your grace. Yeah, because I know right now, if it was to me, I would not be. Yeah. And I think, too, um, it's kind of interesting, like, when you live your life for Christ, and this is happening to me, and I'm not bragging whatsoever, but it's interesting when I've had off days in the past that I've actually had unbelievers come up to me and say, what's wrong with you? You're, you're kind of off today. Like, you're not, they'll, and they'll kind of jokingly be like, you're not, you're not being the Christian guy today. And I'm like, no, I, I have bad days like everybody else. Yes. But, you know, kind of like you said, you still show that you're still Christian, but you struggle too. And so that, that's just interesting. But, yeah, we are, to an extent, we all, I mean, he told Timothy. Timothy was not an evangelist, but he said, do the work of an evangelist. Yeah. So when we look at this spiritual gift, this calling um, that we can find in, like, Ephesians 4.11, which talks about unity in the body and all these things. It says he gave the apostles. So this is specifically, he did give the apostles. They, you know, we've talked about that. There were 12 of them after they died. No more apostles. We look at the prophets, preachers, right? So then the evangelists. So there is a gift and there is a calling of an evangelist. And when we look at this in context, we've talked about this definition. A bringer of good tidings an evangelist, the name given to the New Testament heralds of salvation through Christ who are not apostles. Good word. Yeah, which one? Heralds. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah that's I good, think That's a good word. We talked about that, I think, with Chad, yeah. too, about heralds are those who, like, proclaim. Were you about to... It's re- uh, February the 4th, episode 5. Hey, way to go. February 4th, episode 5. The herald is those who proclaim, kind of like the man who sits on the street corner and, and proclaims. Alan did his victory dance. Um, but they, they, they specifically speak and cry of salvation through Christ. And when you look at that definition, I kind of like it, and it says, who are not apostles. Now, obviously, did the apostles do evangelism? Absolutely. But, like, for example, like when we think of Philip, Right, Philip in Acts chapter eight, he's recognized in scriptures. I think in like Acts twenty one as Philip the evangelist. So, like when you think about John chapter four, so John chapter four, they go to Samaria. We've briefly mentioned it. Jesus talks about sowing, reaping. People believe in Christ that day, but also Philip comes back in Acts chapter eight, and he evangelizes and preaches the gospel, and miracles are performed, and he is preaching. He is going forth. He is sharing the gospel. Now, one thing that I kind of I love, and this is how I see it as well, pastors sow, 
pastors are sowers. Mm-hmm. Now they do reap, obviously, but like their biggest work every Sunday is they're sowing the word of God and trying to help people grow through the word of God. Now, a lot of times you look at the evangelist, right? He's going to come in, and a lot of times he's going to sow too, but a lot of times he reaps because he has that calling and that gift to go out and impact somebody by the gospel to the point where they are at a crossroad of believing the gospel or not. Now, does that mean like evangelists are like soul winners? Some people refer to themselves as so. The Bible does say, you know, a man who knows how to win soul, he's a wise. But that doesn't mean we literally win the soul. We have that responsibility. Like I think about, you know, uh, a lot of people like Billy Graham. A lot of people want to be Billy Graham. Billy Graham was an evangelist to me because he literally would go places and proclaim the gospel on stage. But when you look at his documentaries and the way he lived his life, he was winning people outside of that Coliseum or that stage. He always evangelized the gospel. And he would go to multiple countries. He'd go to multiple people groups. He would literally, when like catastrophes and stuff, he would go to those places and walk like the hurricane and he would witness to people. So when we look at him, he had that touch. He had that gift of an evangelist. But I think we had to consider what an evangelist is and what it is not. Now, while we are not the ultimate standard, and we've made it clear here, we are not geniuses, nor are we perfect, there is just a need, and kind of an awareness that needs to be brought up that a lot of people proclaim to be evangelists. I could tell you one, his name's Daniel Colindo, uh, it's something like that, and he is a self-proclaimed evangelist apostle. But when he goes to third world countries, he does not preach the name of Jesus correctly. He preaches his own gospel, and honestly, it's a lot of mysticism about how you can experience God here now, and God will benefit you, God will give you what you want. So there's a lot of self-proclaimed evangelists, but what I love is Billy Graham, Philip, whoever, when they proclaimed the gospel, it wasn't about them. And that, that's it. It's not about them. So when you look at people who make their ministry so and so ministry, and I'm not I'm not harping on it, not hating on people who if you listen to this and you have a ministry and it's under your name, that's your choice. That's between you and God. But I do want to say this: it's not about us. Nope. It's not about our gain. It's not about our talents. It's not about our face being on everything. To be an evangelist and look at the evangelists of the scriptures, it was literally men who went out and shared the gospel. Well, when you look at today's society the world system as a whole and you look at publicity and you look at the the media and 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 social media and the advertisement and popularity and things like that and likes and and all the things and how that influences individuals long before social media facebook and all that stuff came along uh when i found myself in a position where i'm uh trying to be an evangelist I was focused instantly on results and a pressure that I put on myself to see results instantly. And we talk about Billy Graham. Uh, the Bible put, uh, says to whom much to give much expected. So uh, Billy Graham had a platform that God had placed him in to where he, just his name, drew crowds. But it would have been very easy for him to make that about himself. Mm-hmm. Instead, if you listen to any of the messages, if you follow any of the crusades, uh, and, and uh, it's not going to take 
you very long to figure out who the focal point of those crusades were about. He And when you listen to him preach, like it's not that he, the platform was the gift. The man explained the gospel exactly. so clearly. Exactly. And I mean, even as a saved person, you listen to him, you're like, Man alive, like, this is good. Some of the points that we've made today in this podcast already, uh, Billy Graham excelled at those. Uh, making uh, from all avenues, from all venues, from all statuses, yes. from all education levels, he had a gift that God had given him with to present the gospel in an understandable manner to where now the ball's in, in, in my court. It's, it's, it's my responsibility to deal with it, to accept it or reject it. And... Uh, as as I've matured in in, in the faith and and, and uh, got a little bit of wisdom under my belt, understanding that those opportunities that God gives me, we need to be prepared. And I said this in the last one, in a in a ten second window of opportunity, be prepared to share the gospel. Yeah, be prepared. And like, and I'll say this too: like Philip had opportunities, probably more. We read of some, but probably a lot more than what we've been able to read. Where the man did stand in front of the crowds. He did. But then the eunuch. Right? Then he took time out for a one-on-one conversation. One-on-one, yep. So that's what I'm saying. Ooh, and, th- and this, this might ruffle some feathers. I- I'm sorry, but this is just truth. An evangelist is not a superstar showtime experience. <laughs> like, you're not... This isn't, you know, primetime on Channel 8 for the evangelist. And so when we look at a lot of self-proclaimed evangelists, it only happens on stage. And it, it's a show. It's yep. literally a show where they are saying... They're on stage. They've made it. They're so, let's you know they're bringing him on like he is some superstar. When in reality, he's just a man. Exactly. And that's where you know maybe society and the church atmosphere has failed a little bit because of how we bestow these men and raise them up that we're not helping their pride. It's the capitalism on popularity. It's one hundred percent appealing to the flesh. Yes. And that's where, like, when you look at Philip, yes, he did stand in, cr- in front of crowds, but, like, the man took opportunity outside. Now, what I love is I know some some evangelists, you know, like, even, like, Brother Chad. I, one thing is, is a lot of people see him when he preaches somewhere. That's one thing. But what I love is he's a family friend, and, you know, Alan knows him as well. He lives what he preaches. Yep. That's the difference between him and a lot of other guys. He lives what he preaches. And Chad sets a good example because it's not about him. Now, even, like, um, and this, you know, Brother Chad, if you're listening to this, we're not trying to boast you up, but it's even like if you notice, even when he when he preaches or some other men that I, I watch preach, they say what they're supposed to say and they sit down. They yep. get out of the way yep. because they're there to give glory to God and exalt Christ and then get out of the way. And that's when you look at Philip. Philip preached. Philip did everything that he was supposed to do, and then he'd move on. Billy Graham, he would preach, he would do everything that he was supposed to do, and he would go on. Now, some people might listen to this and have other opinions of Billy Graham. But that's that's your opinion. Um, but I'm telling you this, when you look at a man and when you hear a man be able to preach in such a simplified way, where I even, he, he made a comment in one of his documentaries about how he was preaching so much, like weeks, months in a row, that he almost felt like he had preached the whole Bible at one point, which pretty that's pretty that's impossible in my opinion. He covered a lot of ground, and he said it got to the point where men were bringing him sermon outlines, saying you should preach this, you should do this, and you know he would look at him, but it just got to the point where he's like, I did what I did from the beginning. I got in a room by myself and I got on my knees, and he said, I prayed, Lord, if we're supposed to continue, 
you lead me, you give me the words to say. And he said, right when the service or something during the service while it was going, God gave him a brand new sermon in a brand new section. And that's what I'm saying is like, they don't consider man. They don't consider the show. They don't even consider the payment. They want to preach the gospel. It's almost like a Jeremiah kind of thing. Uh, it's burning inside of their bones and they have to get it out. But they want to see people saved. And that's really because like when you look at a pastor or a Sunday school teacher, you know, someone that ministers to the church, they're wanting to focus on discipling believers to become better Christians and to grow closer to the Lord. But when you look at an evangelist, that's not his, he's not called to disciple. He's called to preach the gospel and he wants to see people saved. And so I think we've done a pretty good job of kind of defining what that is. Um, do y'all have anything else? Okay, let's let's talk about this. I do have some examples that I, I would like to discuss. Um, but, you know, and another thing too, be careful who you listen to. I, we've talked about this for weeks. I've People will be like, look, this is evangelist so-and-so. This is evangelist so-and-so. This is evangelist so-and-so. And some of these guys, I'll start listening to preach and I turn it off. Because... They're not preaching the text correctly, or they're starting to do some things that are not biblical. And so please be careful what you listen to. Uh, so when we look at Luke, I think Luke's a good example. When we look at like Luke chapter 9, so he calls the 12, he gives them power and authority over demons, and they can heal diseases, and he sends them out to proclaim the kingdom of God. We talked about this in our World Changers lesson. Uh, and he said to them, take nothing for your journey, neither staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and don't have two tunics. Whatever house you stay in, you know, stay there till you leave. If they won't receive you, you know, dust the, dust, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them and, and move and keep going. So a lot of times those who are called and gifted with the gift of an evangelist, this is a good description of their lifestyle because they're going. They're going, they're going, they're going. A lot of times, you know, uh, I've heard of guys talk about how they've been called to preach somewhere and the guys they have left in their tank gets them there and they're on E. And then all of a sudden, somebody gives them money for a new gas tank and they go to the next place. So literally, like, they leave things behind. They leave home behind and they go to preach the gospel. Right here in this example, now, you know, they don't literally have superpowers to do such things, these uh, disciples. But... Jesus gave them power and authority, and so they go out and they preach the kingdom of God, they perform miracles, they heal people, they cast out demons, and they're shocked. They're like, whoa, Jesus, look, it's it's working, and he's like, I know. But he sends them out, and so when you think of someone who has the gift of an evangelist, it's literally someone who's going to be sent out. I want to make a statement. If God calls you to be an evangelist and gives you for an evangelist, he's going to give you opportunity. I've met a lot of guys, and I'm not saying anything against their character in any of this, but I've met people that say they're this or this or this, but yet they've never even done it. It's the title. They just want the title. They want to be recognized. And so when God calls someone to be an evangelist, he's going to gift them for it, and he's going to send them out. You know, this day and age, now you just pay to go to school, and they'll make you an evangelist, which is a whole thing, a whole other thing. God has to call. Absolutely. God has to equip we cannot make a system of evangelists through school. We can talk about that another day because uh, that's a big one. An another text, Luke chapter 10. He sends out 70, right? He pairs them up. He sends them out. He says, the harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. Therefore, plead with the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers, his harvest. He said, behold, I'm sending you out like lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money belt. 
no bag, no sandals, greet no one along the way in whatever house you enter, say, uh, you know, if a man of peace is there. And so when you go through this text, it's the same thing. He's sending out two by two. I mean, he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God. And so when we look at those who have the gift uh, of the evangelist and they're called to be an evangelist, literally, they are sent out and they go in the name of Christ. I've talked to evangelists such as Brother Chad, uh, Brother Chad Udi, some other ones. Have there been places they go that people don't ask them to come back? Absolutely. Have they probably talked to people that didn't like them? Absolutely. And that's the thing. It's like you look at what the 70 did and what the 12 did and how they're going out to help others and preach the name of Christ. Like people are still being sent out in the name of Christ. And that's what I think is when you look at the evangelists, you look at these examples from uh, Philip in Acts 8, John 4, and then you look at what Jesus did with the disciples in Luke 10 and Luke 9, we get a pretty good picture and illustration of an evangelist and how they're a bringer of good tidings, um, and they go out and they declare the gospel. Uh, guys, what do you think about the importance? When you think about evangelism, we think about traveling, right? We think about going out. When you think of an evangelist, how I mean, how important is that, that they're literally going out to places to share the gospel? I thank God that there are people who are willing uh, to be obedient to the calling of God places on their life. And if it's, you know, to uh, uh, maybe go to a foreign country across the sea or to uh, maybe uh, Africa or China or places like that to uh, specifically uh, exercise the gift of evangelism, that is an awesome thing. And uh, pray for those people. That uh, God would uh, keep them safe, and and, yeah. and I think it's our obligation to support uh, those folks. I also think it's important to be aware of the influences that each and every one of us has, whether God's placed a calling in our life to go overseas or whether He has never placed that calling on our life. We still have that responsibility in our own circle of influence yeah. to be prepared to uh, to share that. Uh, gospel message with whoever we come in contact with whether it's at the ball field or at the workplace or at yeah. the water cooler to copy machine uh you know uh walmart wherever it's at yeah uh, just to be sensitive and, and listening to the holy spirit and uh god places people in our path providentially that mm. need to hear a word yes mm. it's our responsibility then to be the mouthpiece that uh, i was hunting for the scripture while you were talking about the you know uh God will give you the words to say yeah. when you stand there in these places. And the, the ability to, to uh, be sensitive and, and listen, not just hear God, but listen to him and be obedient when those people come up and they say, how's that going? And just innocent conversations. I mean, typically I've had things, uh, you know, I've had opportunities for uh, just out of the blue. I mean, I'm just doing a, somebody yeah. I seen in the wall doing a wellness check. Hey, so and so, how are you? Yeah, and they go into this story of man, not good, or things are going, you know, having troubles in this area of my life, and the Holy Spirit leading me to present a gospel message mm-hmm. right? and say, "Hey, man, tell me about your relationship with God. How's things going? You know, do you believe in God? Yeah. Can we talk about something real quick? Yeah, I mean, that I think the text you're looking for is in Luke twelve twelve. The Holy Spirit will teach you what to say in that very hour. Yeah, yeah. When you yeah. look at that, he's talking to the he's talking to the disciples, and he's talking about acknowledging Christ before men. And he literally told him, he's like, "Don't worry, hey, what you should say, because the Holy Spirit." I think that's true 
for believers as well. He, yeah. I mean, he gives us ex- exactly. Key word, Alan just said, providentially. Woo, let's talk about that. So what Alan's saying is in God's providence, so God's control, God's plan, he plans out specifically how we will encounter some people in this life. I've spent some time thinking about that mm. concept. Yes. It's big. Yes. Well, it's, but, it's big. Because what you're introducing is sovereignty and God's decisioning for opportunity. And the message that we have and how it in, is entwined, not in just Sunday morning, yeah. 10 a.m. Come on. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. It's entwined in our entire vocabulary. It's entwined in our very breath that we breathe in the you know the, the the food that we eat. Yeah, it's 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 life giving. It yeah. sustains us. It's who we are if we're truly full time. Full, yeah. uh, full <laughs> If we're truly saved, I'm, I'll just I'll, I'll just say it that way. If yeah. God, if if we're a, and our pastor mm. is really getting deep and he's yes. really diving into mm. the the the, uh, the things that wow. are kind of squashing <laughs> some of the uh, uh, stereotypical. Uh, I got my ticket out of hell. You know. Once saved, always saved. We're dissecting a bunch of that stuff right now in, in, in some of his uh, message series. So, well, I'm going to go ahead and go get ahead. myself go, 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 in go, go, trouble. Go, 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 get in trouble. go. This is good stuff. Yes. So when you're newly saved, right? Yeah. They're infectious. Yeah. Because of their joy. Desi- yes. Pure. Yes. And then, and then time goes on, like and you child. sit under this same teaching, kind of like when you said <laughs> earlier about you hear Michelle. Yeah. But are you, you know, the yeah. same, believe me, guilty. When we, I was dating Zoe. She couldn't say it. She'd talk about a piece of trash blowing across the road, and I'm like, you know, listening. Yeah. And time goes on, and now she says complete sentences. I used to be saying what? And I'm sitting there, and then she's like, so what do you think? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, you said yeah? And I'm like, wait a minute. Hold on. Time out. <laughs> Rewind the tape. Guilty you know, tape. Guilty know. tape. I mean, like, let, you, me, let, let me hear that, what you said again. You ever watch cartoons, the, the, the Bugs Bunny, the Tula Skunks? Yeah. Pe- Pepe Le Pew? Yeah. I just sat there and stared, and little hearts yes. come out of my eyes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the same thing. And not hear a word she's saying. Nothing. No. <laughs> Nothing. But what about the state of our Christianity and our faith in Christ? Yeah. When we come and we sit there and we hear, oh, no, no, truth. no life, no listening, Mm-mm. no life. But then, you know, and that is a key thing for an evangelist. Me and Hunter had a conversation and I told him, I said, sometimes somebody can say something to us. And then we were speaking more specifically on a, you know, a situation yeah. from a father figure or a parental figure yeah. to a child. And I says, one can say it being under that authority of the father to a child can say it and the child rebels enter an outside source that has no bearing. Yeah. Third person, third person say the exact same thing that the father kid and the child receives it openly, just soaking it in like a sponge. And that's not coincidence. Mm. It's not, it's not by chance. It's not by luck. It's not by boy. We're, fortunate that you just happened to be here at this right on time exact time in my life yes. it's predestined in it's exactly right yes. <laughs> when we when we talk about god and his great uh, ability to orchestrate our lives exactly the way they're supposed to be set up yep our concept our grasp our comprehension of how god's playing a major role in not only our life yeah but the influence that he wants us to have, that salt, that light, that coming out from among the world and be separate. Oh, that yeah. Is 
right exactly where God wants us to be at that time if we listen and be obedient. Yes. Because when you look at like providence and even like let's just let, let's let's get this out. Life is not random. Our lives are not random coincidences of this takes place or I make this decision. The all-seeing eye, God, has his hand on top of all circumstances at all time, and it's going to happen according to his providence. Now, you can argue with that. You can fight that. Whatever you want to do, but I'm telling you, it's like I I made a comment, and this is a slight joke. I made a comment to Brother Jake the other day. I was like, you know, it's kind of like we live life waiting to see what God is going to do according to his will. Because I'm telling you, when you open up your mindset to the fact that God's providence is evident and real, you'll start looking at life a little bit different when things come forth or you to can, fruition. Or you can fight it and go against it, and you'll be like Paul, and God came to him and says, why are you hurting? Why are you kicking against the pricks? Yes. You're going around trying, Don't to fight to stop, me. trying to stop the church, yes. trying to destroy That's my work. Good. And you know what you're doing? You're not doing anything except butting your head against the wall Ooh. and hurting yourself. Ooh. That's all you're doing. Hey, Gamaliel said, yes. he said, if this is of God, it's going to happen. You better not mess with them. He said, you might even find yourself going against God. So when we look at providence, I made that comment to Brother Jake, and he kind of looked at me and a little foreshadowed what we're going to He said, you sound, you sound like a Calvinist. And I laughed because he, he was, <laughs> he was in humor. But literally... I'll wait every day of my life to see God's providence come true and how my will will line up with His because I serve an all-powerful God that guides me through this life. The other thing, when you think like that and that is your mindset and an opportunity comes before you, you're not like, whoa, whoa, what are the odds, what are the chances? You're like, Mm -hmm. God, give me this. The light comes on. This daily, help me seize this opportunity. Boom, jump on it. And you take off because when he calls us to go and do something, just like the evangelist, it's for a purpose that will be fulfilled in his will. Jesus said it, you know, uh, not my will, but yours be done. He said we should pray that his will would come true, like in heaven as it is, you know, on earth. We look at that. And so when even an evangelist arrives, I'm excited because he has a message. God has given him something to be a herald of good news. I view our pastor like that. God, let me hear from you. But that's what I'm saying is when you have an opportunity opportunity to be an evangel, you know, for the evangelist to go forth or even to participate in evangelism, God has ordained the opportunity that lays in front of you. And that's why when we look at the opportunity, I mean, literally, it's like God saw me. Uh, available, right? God wanted to use me at a specific moment to sow. God wanted to use me to reap. He said, one sows, one reaps. God gives the increase. Exactly. And that's where I'm thinking, and I'm even like, think about it. John 4, he's in Samaria, people are believing, and Jesus is talking about the fields are wild, ready for harvest. One, one will reap, one will sow. Okay, a f- couple years later, Philip comes through there and has revival. That's not coincidence. That's not random. Christ prepared and had many believe that day, but he sowed seeds, Philip comes through, boom, people are saved. And that's why when we look at evangelism, it, the mindset doesn't need to be, you know, oh, what choice do I need to make? What choice is this? What do, Just pray that God would use you and lead you to an opportunity to evangelize the gospel for his namesake. And I love that you said that providentially because a lot of people may not believe in pro- a providential God. 
And I want to say this, but the scripture is very clear. He is very providential. He is sovereign. He has all power in heaven and earth. The word predestination is in the Bible. He controls things. Let's just get that out of the way. God is powerful. So if we can understand that God is powerful, man, does that not open our hearts to pray, God, my, my powerful one true God, please use me. Please guide me. So here's the deal. If God is so great, his, his plan is so perfect, and he is so all-knowing, and so all, ain't it, ain't it great that he doesn't force us? Ain't it great that he didn't make us little minions that have no options? But he gives us that ability to make our own decisions, and those who readily, happily, willingly pursue him out of their own choice, out of their own will, that's the that's the place that it took me a while to to arrive at. But when I finally got to the point where I said, you know what, God, I'm tired of kicking against the pricks. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to go. Whatever you want to do, I want to do it. That's when, as an individual, I found my life had that that purpose. I know for a fact God's got me where he wants me. And if I'm doing my best, boy, I could I could really do better on a lot of things. And I'm not hitting them all out of the park. But just there's something about knowing that you're a part of God's plan that brings peace that surpasses all understanding. And so let me uh, let me ask a question, kind of what both of you have talked about. If someone's saved, is God going to use them? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, he's got God's something. He's got something for them. Yeah, They're not. I mean, you're not saved to just. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about that. Okay, go so ahead. if you're saved and God's going to use you. Then what about people that are like, well, God hasn't never used me. I've never done anything for him. He's not led me to this or not led me. Can we go back to that listening thing? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I mean, has God not called you and put a purpose in front of you? and has, Or has it been that he has and you just, you know, well, that's not for me. That's not what he wants. That's not what, you know. Mm. And, I mean, the Mm-mm. thing about it is, is you made a comment earlier. And, yes, some people just want a title. And that's sad. Because if you're in it for the title of it, I'll it's call a, you whatever you want. Self-righteousness. Yes, that's what they're seeking. You know, exactly. And and it's sad because at no moment should we ever put our faith and our stance on the way a person will call us or a title or the way we are envisioned by man. Because then it's like the scripture tells us. It says, you know, that they, they seek their when they when they stand out on the street and do good deeds, they're seeking theirs. They're getting their reward right then and there because they're getting the yeah. applause of men around them. So we don't, I don't, I, we're not endorsed and I don't seek endorsements. And things that we mentioned on here, like Facebook and stuff like that, we understand there, there, there's tools out there that we use in our secular life. Kahoot. Have you ever used that app before? The Kahoot app? So it's an interactive app. What it does is we should do a poll. It, <laughs> those who are saved, has God ever called you to a, Service or act, yes or no? That Kahoot app, I, that's just I, I just throw that out there. Because I want to think I have. So in, in, in some of my training, we've used that app, and it's like in a Zoom meeting, you can hit that. Everybody's got the Kahoot app, boom, and everybody you, you post the question, boom. Don't it, they answer it? It, po- it populates. It populates. Ah, the, I've yeah. done. I've done that. I'm just talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we should we should do a poll. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. How many of our listeners out there? And if you're not, I mean, we're not trying to shame you. We're just trying to just generate some some thought. You know, just just uh, stimulate a little uh, little little brain work and to go on. Here's the thing: when we talk about that, like, I, it's not a cockiness no. that I no, 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 that no, no, anybody no. has, but I'm confident to say, yeah, he has. Why? Because I've examined myself, like Scripture says, and I can see the fruit in my life compared to Scripture. And so I'm confident about that. But when you look at someone who's hesitant about that, or maybe they say no, now it's like, okay, now really examine yourself, like Scripture says, and if you find yourself falling and coming up short, there's your answer. Put your faith in Christ and be saved so He can use you. Because I don't know about you all, but it's time to wake up. Yeah. And there's so it's, many, I mean, it is. There's so many areas of service yes. in the army of God that we're not saying if you're not preaching, you're lost. That's not what we're saying. The at body, all. the but, body is huge. But of there Christ. is so much yes. opportunity for people in the family of God to use their gifts. That and again, when we, I know we've been in this a long time. We've been in it, talking about it for m- over a month now. Yeah. Months. Yeah. But. The purpose of those gifts are not to, you know, impress people or to give right. myself a good name. They're to uplift the body, to uplift the kingdom. Edify. That's, that's exactly right. It's funny, too, though, because, like, you know, certain people you can see and you can see their gift and it's written all over them. And you could be like, you know, this is your gift. I'm like, oh, absolutely not. You know, so somebody <laughs> yeah. has the gift of service. Scared to you know? death. Yeah, scared to scared death. Of, you know, and they're, and they're there talking to them and they're like moving your plate and cleaning up. And it's like, yeah, you clearly have the gift of service. And I'm like, I have no idea what you mean. No, yeah. I hate that. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, it clearly shows, you know, but they're in denial of it almost, right. you know, the gift. That, or even a fear of. They're like, evident. Yeah. And I think more healthy conversations like this will help people to understand yeah. that. Man, it don't matter if you're. If you're sweeping the floor, right. if you're waiting tables, it don't matter what you're doing. No. God people, can use that gift hey, in but, the family of God. But people get uncomfortable. I've been there. When someone comes up to you and you say, hey, brother, what's your spiritual gifts? And, <laughs> and they're like, uh. Panic time. Because here, here, here's a challenge. Can you answer that question? Biblically, do you know the spiritual gifts that God gives? Because I've had people answer with music or this or this. And I'm like, brother, that's not a spiritual gift. That is a talent given to you by God. But what are your spiritual... I had someone ask me once. And it's not that I didn't have the biblical knowledge. It's that it made me uncomfortable because no one's ever asked me that. And when he asked me, I was like, he said, so what's your spiritual gift? It's actually Jake. One of the first time, one of the first few conversations Jake and I had, he said, what's your spiritual gifts, bro? And I was like, because uh, first I'm like, well, I don't want to talk about myself because I I don't want to boast. I don't want to sound like it. But it challenged me because we should be able to answer that. Yeah. And I, and I, are we growing in them? Yes. I think people do have it. Maybe they're not willing to admit it or they don't realize it yet, but God will do that. But it's nothing to be embarrassed over. And I think it's a great way to have a conversation with someone to get to know how God uses them. Because, you know, it, it's kind of like, you know, one thing that I, I love is the spiritual gifts is like... I, shepherding love it teaching love it right people used to ask me like you do this i'm like no i'll never do that in my life but can i tell you something if god saves you he's going to start a work that he will complete so if you are saved you have a use in the body of christ you have an opportunity that's given you by god but it's kind of like josh was saying like people shouldn't be ashamed or like embarrassed 
to embrace it and, and talk about it. But also people should study to, because un- here's the thing, if the Bible says that they're freely given to us, but then no one wants to study, how are they ever going to know what God's gave them? I think it's some of the pre- social pressure that's put on by the church. I think that there's Ooh, just an immense amount yeah. of pressure on people to perform and show res- results. Right. But you know what I'm saying? And I'm not talking about producing fruit, but I'm talking about uh, being, <laughs> I'm talking about you know, just the, 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 there's pressure to say, okay, how many souls you want? And, and there's, they've or, got their, they've or got their imaginary checklist or, or scoreboard. Or everybody wants the pulpit. And they're judging. They're focused on one thing. And they're judging yeah. people's spirituality by their, their <laughs> the results that they. So I think conversations like this to help bring it down to its simplistic level. It's not about me. It's not about results. It's not about any of that. It's about listening and obeying and, and uh, following God's leadership to help someone else along the way because yeah. like even like we're gonna have to stand before the beam of seat of christ one day the judgment seat of christ and it's gonna be rewards it's gonna be hay wheat and stubble by how we have obeyed and been responding to what god has planned so it's kind of like if god's given you a gift and you never want to excel in it or do it then you're not going to be able to stand before him and say you gave your all or that you were obedient to the gift that was given. And it's like, I had someone ask me once, they're like, Hunter, if someone never uses a spiritual gift they have, does God take it away? And I was like, I don't have the answer. And to this day, I don't really have a clear answer on how I have opinions. But here's the thing. I don't ever want to get to the point where I'm even thinking about him taking it away because I'm just not doing what I'm called to do. And that's where I'm saying it's almost like a sense of like, our church everywhere needs to wake up and people need to start kind of coming to attention to Christ and doing what he's called them to do. Because here's the thing, if everybody would, so if everyone in the church says that they've been saved, right, then that means everyone has spiritual gifts. Yep. That means everyone has a purpose and a calling that God's going to put yep. on their life. So let me ask a question. Why in the world are we still asking for help? Exactly. And here's here's my point. I mean, when you, come on, when you, you know, go, when you go through the community and you go through the the, the association and you uh, you can get a list of churches in the association are currently without pastor, yeah. and you can look at the tenure of pastors and it's typically three to five years, and that's that's about the the lifespan of a of a yep. pastor's average average. Why is that? Well, it's not hard to figure out when the pastor's the only one. Mm-hmm. doing any work in the church and the congregation saying, fade me, pastor, bless me, pastor. This is Sunday. Here's your day. I'll give you 30 minutes. And after that, you're, you're done. My face in you, yeah. pastor. Come yeah. on. Yeah. Bless me. Yeah. There's no wonder because we've got the concept of, and I hate to use the word efficiency because that, that takes a, a, a carnal, you know, industrial mindset to it. But when you talk about a church being efficient at the goal, at the task, what's the goal? What's the task? See sinners saved. Yeah. God's, Life's that's, God's, that's God's job. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But how much are we participating? How much are we are we contributing? How much, if we all used our gift in sincerity and in humility and understand, man, think mm-hmm. how much more efficient we could get than yeah. a discipleship. Yeah. <laughs> True. Which would start that snowball, you know what I'm saying? It's to get it, get that snowball rolling down the hill and gain a momentum. And uh, he, here's the other thing: don't try to operate in a gift you don't have. Yeah. Facts. I can tell you, you know, I don't have all the spiritual gifts. When I look at them, I mean, obviously, there's some that are evident in my life. There may be there's some that God will grow me in and make 
come to fruition as time goes on. But, you know, when you look at them, it's like I, I see them for what they are, but I don't try to be all of them. I try to be what God has called me and gifted me to do. Because here's the thing. A gift is something is that is given. So why in the world do I have to give effort to achieve a free gift that has been given to me already? So that's where I say that the spiritual gifts were given to us and imparted us by the Holy Spirit when we are saved. He dwells within us. He gives us those things. So you already have them. Yep. So don't spend your life trying to achieve one that you don't have because here's you're probably not going to get it because you already have what God has instilled you and called you to do. And here's the beautiful thing. Josh, are you going to say something? Oh, you look like you're about to hop on it. But here, And here's the beautiful thing. So we say all this, one, to challenge ourselves and to challenge believers, but two, as a church, and especially as this is a podcast for, you know, for our church, but for people who might listen, the church, the whole body, whoever would listen, we're here to encourage. Because one thing we are responsible to do in church ministry, I'm talking about like you serve a certain congregation, is we want to edify and grow the body. So here's the thing, if your pastors and your elders and everybody would focus on developing, helping develop and guiding those who have spiritual gifts, we won't have to sit here and wonder why no one's helping, because we are helping equip the saints for the work. And I mean, that's text right there, equipping the saints for the work. And so when you listen to this podcast, my friend, do you have spiritual gifts? Because if the answer is no, I pray you would put your faith in Christ and be saved. But if your answer is yes, can I tell you something? Embrace them. Grow in them. And seek opportunities to use them and seek God to open the door for you. Because here's the thing. If we are a part of a church that never wants to disciple and edify the bottle and equip the saints for the work, no one's going to grow in their, their spiritual gifts. And that's the thing. If most pastors, and I'm not harping on pastors because I think there's some pastors that are good pastors that have went somewhere and it's the, the church body there that needs help, not the pastor. But I think so many men focus on results and this and this and this and this. But here's the thing. If they would focus on equipping the saints, he wouldn't have to be the only one doing the work. Why? Because the saints would be equipped and they are gifted. They're sitting there. It's almost like this. If you're going into a battle and you have... Uh, auto ammunition and all these weapons literally in front of you, you'd want to use them, would you not? So if you're a pastor and you're looking at a congregation that has talents and has gifts, would you not want to use them and equip them and raise them up so they can go do the work while you help disciple them? Absolutely. Just, just like an evangelist. Yeah. An evangelist has a pastor. And what has that pastor done? He's encouraged him and supported him to go out and use his calling and spiritual gift to what? Evangelize. That's it. And any evangelist that's worth his salt, I guarantee you, has a tie somewhere to a local body. And the, those that are one yes. are, man, well, it, it, it's it's a part of the sanctification. you, you got to get plugged into a local body somewhere and get yoked up to where you can get discipled and get, get taught. Have to. You have to. And that development process is what, and here, it's a shame that it took me, golly bum, it took me so many years to understand the fact, because <laughs> literally, early, I, was, I was ordained early, like, I was like 25 years old when I was ordained as a deacon. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, initially, I thought my spiritual gift was confrontation. I thought God had blessed me in that. Because <laughs> that's what I found myself doing right. constantly, is resolving conflict. Right. <laughs> but... As I've developed, and I know God's warned me to be, I mean, I'm 
outgoing. I love people, and, and, and I love to interact. And I, I think God's got give me, you know, different gifts of ability to teach, of the ability to be uh, uh, exhortation and things like that, hospitality. So, so as, as God has opened my mind and taught me and helped me learn, I understand that when I get outside of how God's wired me, yeah, it's uh, we can do things. But, man, when I get plugged in for God wants me, man alive, that's where uh, that I'm meant to be. Uh, that's when everything's natural, just yeah. like it's supposed to flow. Yeah. And you find great peace in that when you're when you're inside the will of God. Abs- Even though, like, and I mean, you know, for, for instance, you know, I, I had a huge fear of ever speaking publicly. I didn't like it. I would not, you know, I mean, more than three or four people get behind it, and it's like, uh, I ain't got nothing to say, right. you know. And for a long time, I shied away from it because I'm like, I can't do it. I cannot stand in front of people. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you finally when you finally surrender yourself to yeah. his will, you find that you not only can you, but it becomes easy. Yeah. yeah. It starts out rough because your flesh is still fully involved. Yes. You're standing in front of it, and you're looking out, and you're seeing these faces looking back at you, and you're like, I can't do this. But there's a reverent respect there. There's, yes. I'm, not, I'm not saying there's anxious moments, but there's a respect, a healthy, godly respect, a reverence when you exercise your yes. gift that uh, I think is necessary because you understand I'm completely dependent yeah. on him, or I'm going to fall on my face. Yeah, yeah. And he gives you that. He and gives he it to you. Absolutely. you in Absolutely. that. You know, and that's it's what you know. It's even like, and this is a good example, kind of transi- transition to our ending. It's even like you know, we had our youth. We had our first annual slip and slide kickball tournament, and let me say, you want a church event? Do that. It was awesome. Make sure your liability's paid up. Yeah, <laughs> it was so. Com- it was very competitive. We were playing for a golden kickball, so it was competitive. It was good. But um, before we even started, you know, I always try to get one of our youth to share devotion and Drew listeners drew's talked on here before um it was drew's first time ever sharing scripture in a devotional you know before a group of people he was nervous i mean he was honest he was nervous but what i love is that was his first time of many times that are coming and we've all and it's like we all have to start somewhere oh yeah and the thing that and it's not that I was so proud and, in a sense, almost like a healthy jealousy was I wish I would have started like where he's at at his age because he talked about doing everything as unto the Lord. And what I love, it was short, sweet, and in context because yep. he read it all and he said, in this context, Paul, and he starts talking about the background. Then he starts sharing the meat. Like, we, it shouldn't have to be a have-to mindset. It should be we want to serve Christ's mindset and do it for him. Short, sweet, and in context. And I was like, this is the first of many. And so it's like Josh said, when we surrender and we give word, you know, opportunity, we give our um, obedience to that opportunity, God leads us. Yep. He direct, we got to start somewhere. Yep. And so I love it because what Josh said literally was lived out in front of my eyes yesterday. And that's the beautiful thing. And it's like an evangelist. I'm not called to be an evangelist. Now, I, am I like Timothy sometimes? Do we have to do the work of evangelists? Absolutely. Do you have to go talk to a group of people? Yeah. Do you have to go in the streets, knock on doors? Absolutely. Let's go. But that's not my gift. Now, here's the thing. Do I try to operate in that area? No. Why? Because I have acknowledged before God, God, I know that this is not an area you've called me to. But you know what? Help me to lift up those who have been. Exactly. 
And that's the mindset. And so I would encourage you all, pray for those who are called to evangelists, be an evangelist, but pray for those that are gifted for evangelism. I'm talking about missionaries too. They go to other countries to do one thing, share Christ and see people saved and plant churches and do all these things. So pray for those. And here's the thing. If you're called to do that, God bless you. I mean, absolutely. But don't try to operate in something you're not called to do. And here's the thing. If God has called you and gifted you for evangelism, like Josh said, don't hide from that. Surrender to it. Guys, y'all have anything else? God bless. God bless. Let me pray. Lord, we come to you and pray everything for this day. And Lord, right now, specifically, we want to lift up those who are called um, to the life of an evangelist or evangelism. Lord, we lift them up. We pray you'd help them be bold for the faith. Uh, Lord, we pray you'd use them to uh, spread the word, God, that they could be a vessel you would use, Father, um, and they would see people saved. We pray for them. We lift them up. We pray you'd protect them. Lord, right now, it'd be a t- it's a tough time, Lord, uh, to be one who travels full-time for the gospel's sake, and we want to lift lift them up and pray protection over them. Help this podcast as it goes out. Lord, we love you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, guys, if y'all have got nothing else, uh, that, that's it from us, and uh, this is the first time. I've actually got to sign into my computer to end this episode. Grant had to go to band practice. So, um, peace out, I guess, guys. We'll see you. See? Okay, we'll see you guys next time. Peace out. Hey, we'll let you guys know who wins that shirt next week. All right, peace out. Bye.